Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby of Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. I I love it whenever I get the phone call. Um, I got a phone call last week from a local rancher. He's like, hey, Kevin. He, I said, well, hello, how are you? He said, good. He said, uh, what are you going to be doing on uh, Thursday? I said, well, I don't know. He said, can you come help us brand? I was like, well, yeah. Well, what time do I have to be there? I love working for them because they start at 8 o'clock. Most time when you go help somebody brand, you know, they. what time do you need to be there? They'll be there about 1.45 a.m. I love working for them. So anyway, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not gonna, uh, I, I'm not gonna tell you who it is to protect the innocent. So we'll just, we'll call him, uh, um, Christopher Carnahoon. That's what we're calling the Carnahoons. <laughs> anyway, so I was like, yeah, man, I can come, Brand. That'll be great. I'll be there at eight o'clock. Now, granted, you have to understand, I'm committed now, right? I have said that I will be there. Yeah, I'll be there. Oh, by the way, we got a horse we'd like you to ride. You know, that one that bucked me off a couple of weeks ago. Uh, really need to put some miles on this horse. Would you mind doing that? Sure. Well, Jared rode him, so I think he's doing good. So I was like, oh, yeah, it ain't no problem. I don't think I hit the end button before I called Jared. <laughs> Jared, what's up with this horse? <laughs> Jared said, man, that horse bucked Chris off, he said, but I flanked that horse and couldn't get him to buck. So, you know, I don't know what happened. You ought to be fine. I'm like, great. So anyway, uh, I get out there. Fiona is in the trailer just in case. Okay. She, she, she's going to be in there. And so anyway, um, I, I saddle up the, this sorrel horse. It's real leggy and everything. And, and we get over there and we get out in the pasture and we're just going to go due east to Charlie's house there, gather that big old pasture back there. And anyway, I kind of cinch him up. He's a little cinchy, but not too bad. And I, try to kind of get him to lunge in a circle there and he just kind of turns in a circle and i was like yeah hell it's just cowboy up so i got on there and everybody was holding their breath and i was like hi everything's fine so we got down there and we crossed ace creek i have renamed kiowa creek ace creek because last time i crossed that my horse nearly drowned in this much water Ask somebody about that if you weren't here for that story. Anyway, I, I cross a creek and everything is going good. And we went through the gate. And so we're going to strike a long trot to the back side of this pasture. And, you know, it's kind of rolling a little bit. And I kind of, we, we started going and we trotted up this little, I don't know, just this little rise or something. And when we topped out, we kept rising. <laughs> here we go, Jared. I'm more cowboy than you. I got him to buck. That's not true. Jared's probably more cowboy than I am. But he took a, you know, not a real big jump, but he took a jump, uh, and I'm still feeling it right here. And anyway, it kind of surprised me because there was no indication. And then he took another pretty good jump, swallowed his head, and about the time he hit that second jump, I snatched the right side of his mouth out and got him to turn in a circle. And I don't know, it might have been... uh For some reason, I was able to talk him out of it, and the rest of the day, we just kind of... Brought it on. And so anyway, we get to the back of this pasture and everything. And so 
we start gathering and Charlie and Chris peel off this way and me and another fella take this other side and we're going through there and they and this guy said well that, that pasture just goes right down there I'll let you take the outside and uh, check those corners and everything and I was like all right so anyway I'm trotting along I don't think there's a single tree in this entire pasture so it's not hard to see the cattle or anything like that and so I can see the top of the fence in the corner I can't see the bottom of the fence but I can see the top of the fence and I'm probably you know from here to the back of the room and you know, if you've ever gathered cattle, there's this, there's this internal debate going on inside your mind. Do I really want to trot a hundred more yards? Cause there's this much of the pasture that I can't see. Surely there's no cattle over there, but just as soon as you don't go check, guess what? I rode over there and right over that little hill was two cows and two calves. So I was like, whoo, cause I mean, I just nearly, oh, I can see good enough. There's nothing over there. And I nearly rode on, but I didn't. I went right to the corner. Sure enough, two cows, two calves. So I pushed them. I didn't do like the old days. You know, you just kind of assume that there's nothing over there because you can't see that. It's kind of like the ostrich with his head in the sand. You know, if you can't see it, then it's not there. But I didn't. I went all the way to the corner and I got them and I pushed them out and everything. Got them going in the right direction. And then I got to the other corner and I'll be dadgum if there wasn't the same situation. Just this little bitty rise, you can see the top of the corner post. I'm standing up on that horse. I'm like, ah, there's no no matter how tall I stand up, I can't see. So I'm like, well, there was two in that other corner. I'm just going to go check. Well, this time I had to ride a lot more than 100 yards, just about half a mile. I got over there, two cows, two calves right in the corner all by themselves. So I got them going in the right direction. And so anyway, we got them all gathered and everything like that. And Chris made a, there's this one little bitty calf. He couldn't, uh, he got real tired. I mean, he's only probably two or three days old and everything and balked at the, at, at, at the creek. And so anyway, Chris just tried to help him out. And Chris reached down and wrote two hind feet on that calf. It was a good shot. And I was like, you got him. You got him. Chris was telling me later, he's like, how come you were so surprised when I caught? And I was like, I wasn't. I was a good shot. He goes, oh, okay. <laughs> but anyway, he pulled him across the creek and we got everything done and everything. Now there was only four of us and we had about 75 head to do. So we used a calf table. And that is only the second time in my life that I've ever used a calf table. If you would like to look at my hands to see the amount of scrapes and beatings that that calf table gave my hands, you're more than welcome to come up and kiss my boo-boo on my finger. Anyway, there was something that happened about three quarters of the way through that branding that I don't think I've ever seen in my life. We were sitting there and, you know, Chris was on one side and he would grab the deal and where it pulls them tight and kind of pulls it over. And then my job was to kind of help turn the calf table over. If you don't know what a calf table is, it's a little chute that a calf goes in and then it kind of squeezes it and then it turns on its side. So you can do the branding and you can uh, cut them. If you don't know what that means, turn to somebody with the cowboy hat on and ask them if they can't answer it. They need to take the cowboy hat off. Okay. So anyway, um, my job was to, and you pull like a leg back and you stick this, this, uh, piece of rebar or something in there to hold the calf's leg so you can do some whittling on them underneath there. And we got this calf in and it was a nice looking calf. It wasn't too small and it wasn't one of them great gargantuan things. There were about three of those. It was a nice little calf. It was a little bull calf and boy, we flipped it over and Chris pulled that leg back and I stuck that little deal in there and I hollered bull calf like that. So anyway, I got over there and I got the vaccinations and I gave him his shots and Charlie got over there and Charlie went to whittling on this calf and everything like that. And oh, by the way, if anybody wants to come to an oyster fry, I got about 140. Y'all want to come over? 
We're going to be cooking them up. Christy will probably go somewhere else when we do that. <laughs> and so anyway, uh, you know, I, I get the oysters and put them in my little can to save for later on for frying up and everything. And so we get done with this calf. And when Chris branded this calf and when we cut him, it's no surprise he wasn't that happy, okay? It was not his best day of his young life and everything. So we let the calf table back down and Chris pops the head gate open and that calf runs out there about four feet and then turns into a werewolf. And this little calf ate Chris Carnahan. Absolutely ate him alive. Put him on top of the calf table. I never laughed so hard in my life. There's this little calf, and I mean, he is bawling. He's got his tongue out, and he is trying to kill Chris. <laughs> and I helped out by hoping that my laughter might deter the calf. <laughs> and Chris was looking at it. I mean, it's just, it's going to town. I thought he hops up on the calf table, and, and I'm, I'm sitting there just a uh, hoorahing. And uh Megan was with us, and Megan was like, holy cow! And I was like, yeah, and everything. So finally, Charlie comes over there and kind of kicks the calf, and the calf runs off, and Chris gets down and everything. For the life of me, that man had the gall to turn to me and go, that better not end up in a story. <laughs> I'm going to be running out of places today, work. <laughs> It was awesome, though. It was awesome. I guarantee you, we separated that calf from his manhood, and he was dedicated to paying Chris back. I guarantee you, it was awesome. But if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, and I'll tell you why all of that story is going to make perfect sense. 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's start in verse 15 and 16. 1 Peter chapter 1, 15 and 16. Peter is a guy that wrote this. That's why it's called First Peter, okay? If it, just in case we're, it's a little early in the morning, you hadn't had some of Rob and Ana's good coffee over there. Now, Peter is awesome, okay? Everybody can relate to Peter. If Peter could mess up, he was going to do it. I mean, he, he just, <laughs> you know, it, you, you'd think if you flipped a coin, you would get it right half the time. Peter got it wrong nine out of ten times. You know, there was this one time that Peter, some of Jesus' most scathing butt-chewings, Peter was on the receiving end of it, but some of Jesus' greatest compliments were also aimed at Peter. Just to give you an idea of that, one time Peter, uh, Jesus was talking and he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, you know what? You're exactly right. And on that statement, I will build my church. And I mean, he just, you, you got it exactly right, Peter. There was, I couldn't have said it better myself. Man, you did good, Peter. You did good. And then Jesus says, and I am the Christ and the, I will be betrayed and handed over to the chief priests and elders and they're going to kill me and I'm going to be in the tomb for three days and then I'm going to rise again. And Peter's like, hey, come here, Jesus. We ain't going to let that happen. Jesus calls him Satan. He's like, get away from me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block. Good grief. In one second, here's Peter. He got it just right. And then he got full of himself. And then in the next breath, he got chewed out. That was Peter. So I love Peter. I love to read First Peter and Second Peter. And in First Peter chapter 1, 15 and 16, Peter says this. 
But now you must be holy in everything that you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Now you think about that. You know, you hear the word holy all the time. Usually like Megan said, holy cow, you know, and stuff like that. But what does holy really mean? When the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Well, if you don't know what it is, how can you be that? What is holy? Well, I think a real good description of holy is the opposite of what happened to that calf. That calf was separated from his manhood, and he was dedicated to eating Chris's lunch. But the point is that to be holy, you have to be dedicated. And who do you have to be dedicated to? You have to be dedicated to God. Think about that. You have to be dedicated to God. Because in verse 15, it says, everything you do is for God, but now you must be be holy in everything that you do. That's what verse 15 says. If you just have to be 100% dedicated to God. It doesn't matter if you're preaching a sermon. It doesn't matter if you're making coffee. It doesn't matter if you're helping set up. It doesn't matter if you're helping build a new school in Elbert. It doesn't matter if you're selling hay, working your cattle, riding your horses, building hats, building boots, building saddles. It doesn't matter if you're sitting there visiting with your children. Be dedicated to God. Every Be holy in everything that you do. That means every single second of every single day, do everything as if you're doing them for God himself. That's the first part of being holy. I know a lot of people when you think, oh, you got to be holy. That does not mean you put on a sheet and walk around like this with your head shaved. That does not mean holy. Being holy is being dedicated to God. Just be, just do everything like you would do it unto him. The second thing, the second definition or second part of what holiness is, is being separated. Not from our manhood. That is not what I'm talking about. Okay? I'm talking about, but from being separated from the world. Think about that. The Bible says that we are a new creation, that we are strangers in a foreign land. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've got to be dedicated to God and you've got to be separate from the world. I mean, let's be honest, guys. If you took the the average Joe that does not believe in Jesus Christ and you took you who claim to be believers in Jesus Christ, can somebody tell the difference in the way you live your life from the way that fellow lives his life? There should be an obvious difference. And if there's not, man, you might need to think about making some changes. You are separate from the world now. You no longer are a slave to sin and the things that you used to do. You need to be dedicated to God and you need to be separated from the world. That's what it says right there. It says, um, just as God who chose you as holy. It's the second part of verse 15. Verse 15 said, but now you must be holy in everything that you do, right? That means dedicated. And then it says, just as God who chose you is holy. He separated you. He called you. He chose you. He loves you. And you wouldn't be here today if you didn't answer his call. Now, some of you may be be, 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 be here because somebody drug you 
you here. And you know what? That's fine. God is using them to try to reach you. You might be watching on the internet for the very first time because you saw a post on Facebook, or you might be just driving down the road and turned it on 1010 AM or 1070 AM down there in Midland, Texas, and just driving down the road hauling oil or hauling cattle and just happened to come upon this cowboy preacher listening to a sermon. But you're not here by accident and you're not hearing what I'm saying by accident because God chose you, he loves you, and he has separated you from the rest of the world because he wants to be with you for eternity. He wants you to be with him for eternity. So what is holy? 15 and 16. 16 says you must be holy because I am holy. What does that mean? It means you need to be separated from the world, that you don't live like everybody else lives because you are 100% dedicated to God in everything you do, everything that you are, and everything that you be. How do we do that? Think about that. How do we live a holy life? I mean, it's one thing to explain what holy is. Holy is being dedicated and separated, right? But how do we do that? Well, the one thing that I love about Peter is that if you look in your Bibles and you back up to verse 13, he kind of gives us a real good starting point on how to be holy. He says this, So think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious, gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. Peter's just giving you everything you need to know right there. So let's go over what he said. The first thing that Peter says is you got to be mentally and physically tough. He says, so think clearly and exercise self-control. You're going to have to work at this. You're going to have to be mentally and physically tough in order to be holy. You know, on, I'm going to be really honest with you guys. Um, when that horse bucked with me that day, the two, I'm going to tell you what the two hardest things are to riding a bucking horse out in the pasture. The first thing is to think clearly. Because when a horse, I mean, maybe a lot of you, I mean, I don't know whether to say I hope a lot of you have been bucked off or you haven't. I, I mean, I, I really I really think I hope a lot of you have been bucked off or at least fell off. Hopefully not at a dead walk, but I mean, that's okay. Um, but maybe a lot of you were like me when a horse goes to bucking with you. I mean, the first hundred times I got bucked off, I'm riding along, God is great. And then I'm on my head. I mean, it just, you're like, what is that? And, and you don't remember anything. But when you start getting used to getting bucked off, I don't know if that's the word for it. But anyway, what happens is when you can start to think clearly and you don't let your emotions get the best of you, when that horse bogs its head and he goes to bucking and everything, you start kind of seeing where you're at. And you're like, okay, he's bucking. I need to keep my feet in the stirrups and I need to keep my butt from falling off. And he's doing this and he's doing that. And the longer you... The more you practice with that, it slows down, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You just get to a point where it doesn't freak you out, you know, the first time he, you know, and fall off. You know, you just get to a point that you can think clearly. The second thing that's hard about riding a bucking horse is when you can slow it down and, you, you know, your emotions don't get the best of you anymore. The second thing is to exercise self-control. Because, I mean, it, it, I don't care. I, I've done it. I've done it 3,000 ways. You know, sometimes you can just pull them up. 
Sometimes, you know, you can turn them in a circle. Sometimes you might need to fork their heart out if they won't stop. But whatever you do, you need to do the minimum amount necessary. You need to exercise self-control if you are going to stay in charge of what's going on. But that's what Peter says with living a holy life. He says you have to be mentally and physically tough and you have to think clearly and exercise self-control. You know, self-control is one of those things that it, boy, we're all like, yeah, I want to be in self-control right here, baby. That's going to be me right there until something happens. What in the world are you doing? You know, and can you believe that person said that or they did that? You know what? If you are thinking clearly, you can control your emotions. Your emotions are nothing more than a physical reaction to a thought in your brain. And you know who controls the thoughts in your brain? You do. You do. If you think happy thoughts, you can think yourself into happiness. And I'm not talking about uh, some super mega physical or something like that. I'm just saying that you're in control of your brain. And you know what? If you wake up in the morning thinking, well, I'm going to be in a bad mood today. This day's just started off crappy and rah, rah, rah. Guess what? You're probably going to have a bad day. But you know what? I didn't freak out this morning. Got here. We couldn't even get in the building. I was like, well, we'll figure it out somehow. We found a door that was unlocked, so we opened it up. Now, we couldn't get into the bathrooms, but so I made a few phone calls, and they came and opened it up. But I didn't get mad. I didn't let it ruin my day. If you want to be holy, you have to be mentally and physically tough. You have to learn to think clearly and you have to exercise self-control. The second thing that Peter says, if you want to live a holy life, is you have to have hope. You have to have hope. Now, this is what, this is what Peter says right here. He says, um, look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Isn't that what hope is? Looking forward to something? That's awesome. Hope is the joyous anticipation of good things to come. Are you hopeful? And by hopeful, I mean, do you have joyous anticipation of good things to come? Man, God said, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good, not for evil. Plans for prosper. You will run and not stumble. You will walk and not fall. God says, man, I've got a good plan for each and every one of you. But I know from, me, from just the sheer fact that I have been here myself, that a lot of us are walking around not in joyous anticipation of the good things that God has in store for us. We're walking around like, mumbling and grumbling and having a bad attitude, griping about everything. I mean, anybody can find the fault in anything. It takes somebody special to see something good in something. That's what being hopeful is. You want to be holy. You've got to be mentally and physically tough by thinking clearly and exercising self-control. And you've got to have hope. If you have no hope, you cannot be holy. It's that simple. Now, I don't want you to raise your hands because I there's probably one of you sour pusses out there that don't feel like this. And I don't want to point you out. But, you know, I mean, ask yourself this question. Would you rather be happy or miserable? I mean, come on. You have a choice. Think clearly about it. Exercise self-control. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I have a plan for you, and it's a good plan. It may not be good right now, but it will be good later. And I guarantee you, for those of you that are tough enough, it will be good for eternity. How do we be holy? It's what the Bible says. You must be holy because I am holy. It's a commandment of God that you be holy. And we're talking about how do you do that? you got to be mentally and physically tough. 
You have to have hope, and the last thing you got to do is check the corners. Now, what do I mean by that? And I am ashamed to say that there have been several times that I didn't go check a corner because I didn't want to ride that far, or I had a long ways to go, or I just didn't think anything was over there. That's the way I used to live my life. But you know what? If God tells me to go check the corners, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ride right up there to that corner, and I'm going to check it because that's what a cowboy is supposed to do is to check a corner. Now, Peter, he says this, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Think about that. Don't slip back into your old ways to satisfy your own desires. 99% of every mistake you will ever make will come from living to satisfy your own desires. Instead of being dedicated to God, separated from the world, instead of thinking clearly and exercising self-control, instead of having a joyful hope, man, we just want to make it good for us right here. And who cares about anything or anyone else? What is important, we have made ourselves our own God. And if it feels good to us, that's what we're going to do. But I'm telling you now that I want each and every one of you to start checking the corners of your life. I want you to go over there. And you may not think that there's anything over there that you need to fix. But you know what's probably lurking in that corner just out of sight is something that you need to get straight with God. So you ride over there and you don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. And for those that have to just have to have the big church word, it's called repentance. You must repent. You must repent from the old ways that you used to live of satisfying your own selfish desires, and you got to start following God and God alone. Now, are you going to be perfect in everything you do? No, but you dang sure better be working on it. You've got to. And you know what's funny is he says all of this, and it's this that's going to make you happy. Listen up, this is Kevin Weatherby of Save the Cowboy. If you want to hear the most exciting news since the invention of toilet paper, Save the Cowboy wants to start a church in your area. We have a new program called Save the Cowboy Line Camps, and if you've been wishing that there was a Save the Cowboy in your area, then God is probably laying it on your heart to help me start one. Just go to savethecowboy.com and you can email me for more information. Hey, do you have horses? If you do, then you need to call my friends Rod and Brenda Denning at Hitch and Post Hay. This is where I get all of my hay and Fiona loves it. Call them at 303-324-8217 and tell them that you heard about them from Save the Cowboy and they'll donate 5% of the sale to our mission to reach cowboys and cowgirls. Give Hitch and Post Hay a call for premium quality horse hay at 303-324-8217.